I am so excited about the episode today. I have brought on another guest to the Literacy Dive podcast, and she is amazing. On the show today is Shane Saeed. You probably know her better as Fantastically Forth on Instagram, TikTok, or TPT. She has amazing strategies for reading and writing, and I have brought her on the show, and she is going to be talking all about inferring. So if you are looking for strategies to help make inferences with your students, this is the episode you want to listen to. Shane is a fourth grade teacher, so all my upper elementary ELA teachers, she has you covered. But before we dive into this episode, I want to thank you all so much for your ratings, for your reviews, and for your follows. And if you are not following the show yet, I want to encourage you to pause, follow the podcast. If you are an active and recurring listener, I would love it if you could leave a rating and review. Now, let's head on inside and learn some strategies from Shane for inferring. You are listening to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. Learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. With a passion for literacy and supporting teachers, here's your host, Megan Polk from Miss P's Style. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Literacy Dad podcast. And today I am super excited because we have a special guest that is joining us. And I've already given you a little bit of an introduction about her, but she is amazing. We are Instagram friends. (laughs) Hopefully we'll meet in person one day. And her name is Shane. And I'm going to let her introduce a little bit about herself. And we have an amazing topic for you today. So Shane, if you would like to introduce yourself, welcome to the show. Hi, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. And Instagram friends, real friends. We're definitely going to meet up in person after this whole uh, fiasco is over. Can't wait. If you don't know me from Instagram, I'm on Instagram as Fantastically Fourth. I teach fourth grade in Colorado. And I have a master's in curriculum instruction with a focus on literacy, a second master's on school leadership. And I'm currently working on my doctorate for uh, school leadership with a focus on equity. You do all the things. <laughs> Trying to. Whew, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty tired today from it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, like I said, you know, even, even with getting connected with you, I was like, ah, I really just want to bring her on here. But I know she's doing so many amazing and incredible things for your future. But I'm just so grateful that you agreed to come on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we are excited to have you share all the tips. And so, um, as you know, I follow you on Instagram and we've connected with each other uh, through Instagram and you just have so many incredible, incredible, inspiring ways to teach so many different skills to so many different students. And I know teachers are so inspired by what you do in your classroom especially during this pandemic. And so even your flexibility with going, you know, in person and hybrid or virtual, all the different models you've done, the thing that you've done is stayed consistent with the curriculum that you're teaching. And so there are so many skills that are difficult for students to learn in a 
non-pandemic year. So throw on a pandemic, uh, these skills are still pretty difficult. So I am so pumped that you are going to be talking about the skill of inferencing, which I know teachers everywhere are probably sighing of relief to be able to learn some tips to be able to share with their with their students. So has teaching inferences for your students, has it been tricky for your students generally? Is it something that they kind of come in with a little bit of knowledge or do they come in and they're just kind of like having no idea of what to do? So it's funny because, I mean, if you think about inferring, we infer all day, almost every day, you know, how people are looking and like what they like the faces that they're making. Are they feeling happy or sad? We make inferences when we're driving and you see someone speed by and you're like, I wonder if they're in a hurry or if they're just a really fast driver. Yeah. We make inferences all the time, which is what I try to circle it back to. But I do notice that when it comes specifically to reading comprehension, students have the skills to, they know to go back in the text to find literal answers to literal questions, but sometimes they have a more difficult time answering inferential questions. And so I know a lot of that also comes from background knowledge and building background knowledge, because that's part of what makes an inference is your background knowledge and a clue from the text or your environment. So it's something that I have seen is needing help by small pockets of students. And it wasn't something that I necessarily knew exactly how to do or to help with, especially my first year teaching. And I remember telling my mentor teacher that I was really struggling with. I have a specific student that I knew he needed help with inferring and he could not, I I did not know how to support him. And she came in and did a model lesson using Encyclopedia Brown, which was really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And then from there, I decided to kind of dive in myself to figure out like, what are some better ways to help support students who do need that extra that extra help and, you know, extra love of helping them be able to figure out how to best inference and explain their inferences as well. Awesome. Okay. So I know that listeners everywhere are like, okay, how, how can you help me help, help? They're probably, they have these students, the one times 20. And so how can we as educators, as the teachers of these students, um, help them with making inferences? All right. So when we want to support our students with inferring, there's a couple of things that we can do. The first one that is a really good start. If you have a student that's really struggling with inferring, I've bought cards from Teaching with a Mountain View, and she is absolutely amazing and wonderful. Agreed. And we will link to the cards in the show notes. And those images portray like a variety of facial expressions and environments. And you can ask leading questions for students to start thinking about how they're inferencing or how they're making inferences. And so if there's a face of a girl and she's has furrowed eyebrows and a frown on her face and her hands on her hips, you might ask, how is this girl feeling? And the students might say, well, I think that she's feeling angry. And you say, so why do you think she's feeling angry? Well, I can see that her hands are on her hips and she's frowning and her eyebrows are furrowed. And that tells me that she's feeling angry. Like, okay, so your background knowledge is 
that when someone's frowning, their hands are on their hips, their eyebrows are furrowed down, that that means that someone's angry. That's your background knowledge. Your clues were all of her facial features and her gestures. And your inference was that she's angry because on the picture, it doesn't tell you she's angry, but you know it based off of what you can see. So taking it all the way back to images can really help students that are really struggling and might need a little bit more that need more support. And then there are students that they understand uh, facial expressions. They can do it visually, but pulling information out out of a text can be really difficult for them. And so isolating that particular skill, I love to use a three column chart. And on that three column chart, you can use this with any sort of uh, text or passage that you have in your classroom. It's not, you know, you don't have to use it with a specific resource. And I know this three column chart because this is one of the posts that I, I've loved and I've seen on Instagram. And so for you that are listening and wondering what this chart is, it will be linked in the show notes so that you can be able to go and see this and swipe through it and learn. Yes. And so it's really super simple. All it is, is you have the first box in your column chart is your clue from the text. Your second box is your background knowledge. And your third box is your inference. And what you're trying to do with that three column chart is really suss out what exactly the text is trying to say. What is the author trying to have the reader understand? And so the clue from the text, the sentence that you are trying to make an inference with is what goes in that first box. So for an example, if you have a sentence that says, when Allie got her test back, her stomach flipped and a broad grin spread across her face, she knew her hard work would pay off. That is the clue. And from our background knowledge in the second column, we would write down what are the things that we notice that our character is doing or saying that can give us a little bit of reference as to how she's feeling or why she's feeling that. And we know that, you know, if she's grinning broadly, that probably means that she's happy. We usually grin when we're happy and that she knew her hard work would pay off. And for me, if someone's taken a test and they've worked really hard, that probably means that they studied the night before. And if they're smiling because they worked hard, my inference would be that she did well on the test. You don't usually smile when you don't do well on a test. (laughs) Right. Yeah. When you said a couple of things too, really quickly that I've loved is that even planting the language of background knowledge. So whenever, you know, a student would say like, oh, well, when they're, when the eyebrows are, you know, furled and she's frowning, she's angry. And you had said like, yes, so you're back from your background knowledge, you know this. And so I love that even planting that language makes it a little bit more concrete whenever they are seeing that or someone says it, they can kind of identify with what that background knowledge really means, which is their own experiences, which they have a lot of. (laughs) Yes. And so like, and they don't even realize that they use that background knowledge constantly when they're in the classroom. It's pretty incredible. So being able to bring that in to be like, look, you are a master and understanding so many different things. And we just need to apply that to this particular situation. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so, and also the whole isolation. And so when isolating skills for those students that are struggling, your go-to is the three chart system for them to be able to really pull out 
from the big idea of what the text said, then go back to what their experiences and background knowledge is, and then draw an inference that the text does not say, but we can infer based on us using our background knowledge and the text clues. Exactly. Awesome. (laughs) It's essentially what you're doing. And we do like, what is, what are, we do a, a, like a hand, I wouldn't call it whole brain teaching because we haven't done the mirror words with it, but it's like, what is an inference? We have one handout and it's clues from the text, second handout and your background knowledge. And then you clap and you say together, they make an inference. Okay. Awesome. Yes. I was going to ask, is there anything else that you do with your students um, to help make this concrete and this, like the skill gel a little bit more? So can you repeat that just in case any of the listeners might've missed it? There is something that very simple. I just saw it that you can be able to do. Um, Can you do it one more time so that they can be able to hear and maybe even try it out with their students? Of course. So you say to make an inference and you put one hand out and you say you need a clue from the text, second handout and background knowledge, and then clap together. And you say, which makes an inference because you need both things in order to make an inference. That is awesome. I love it. Okay. So we have this incredible system, which I know inferencing, it just takes time to really be able to infer. And like you said, we do it every single day. We do it all day long. Kids just don't really recognize it. And so um, would you say that a lot of it would just be consistent repetition of drawing from whatever system it is that they want to teach from and and continuing that cycle? Or um, what would you say in terms of that? I do a little bit more direct instruction when it comes to inferring practice. So this is specific to small groups. Like we start in whole group and I show them the three column tech or the three column chart. But a lot of times if I have identified students that do need that support, we do it in small group. And I actually, you know, when you move into a brand new classroom and the class or the classroom teacher that was in the room beforehand usually leaves you some things that are really helpful. And then a lot of things that really aren't very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so I was left my first year teaching and it's like a really class. nice way to say it as well. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I think we can all just take a moment and we've been there and that's such a nice way to say they've just left you a few things. <laughs> you have, you're going to pick and choose like yep. what yeah. you're going to keep and you know what you have to throw yeah. out. <laughs> And I, you know, was in that situation, my first year teaching where I was left an entire file cabinet full of files. And there was a lot of stuff that was recycled, there, but there were a few gems. And one of the gems that I found was an entire folder on passages that were specific to inferential questioning. And I use that. I don't even have a digital copy of it. I just have these like hard master copies that I'm like, I never can lose these because they're the only copies I have. Yeah. But I use those in my small groups in order to use the three column chart to isolate some questions. So they, they're inferring passages with inferential questions at the bottom. And what we do is we read the passage together, we read the question, and then we put information into our three column chart. So if the question is, how did you think Allie felt about, or how did she do on her test? Going back to the example from before, I might ask them to go find a clue from the text that tells them what 
how Allie might feel about her test or how she might've done. And they'll go in and highlight a clue from the text. We'll take that highlighted sentence and plug it into our first column. And then, you know, we'll talk about that particular sentence. Okay. What do you see in it? What do we know when someone's smiling? What do we know when people work hard? What do we know about this? What do we know about that from our own experience or background knowledge, or even like it doesn't have to be our experience. What have you read about a character that has been in that same situation? And so then we can start writing down what are the things that we know from background knowledge, and then we can make our inference. And so we go from the three column chart and the specific inferential questions to taking away the three column chart and seeing if we can still make the same inferences without the support. So it's gradually taking that support away, but being more mindful of, so what are you thinking about in terms of what you already know about what's going on in this sentence? I love that. And I think that so often we want our students, like we might say it or show them a chart or, you know, explain it one day. And we want them to take this really, really intense thinking skill and run with it. And sometimes I feel like we we limit understanding that these students still need support. They still need scaffolds and they still need just anything that kind of helps them. And then we gradually release it and they're doing it on their own. And so, you know, definitely don't miss out on an opportunity to give them these um, resources, these scaffolds, these stems, whatever they need to be able to do this skill and then know that once they get the practice going consistently and that you've had enough opportunity to let them explore with it, then you can start gradually taking it away. Exactly. Love it. Okay. Is there anything else on this? Because um, as we were talking before, there was something else that you had mentioned with connecting, inferring to writing. And before we move into that, which I think teachers are going to love Um, I wanted to see, is there anything else that you wanted to share about this basic skill of, of inferring and in doing this with our students? I think, I think the three column chart kind of covers it, but as long as you're just going back to consistently building that background knowledge and understanding if students don't quite understand, okay, yes, then excuse me. I do have something to add. Yes. Because we have to understand that students have a broad base of background knowledge, but there's sometimes where they don't have the background knowledge to actually make the inference. And understanding that balance is also pretty crucial. For example, I had one of those passages and it was a passage about a girl who was crying on a park bench and she received a text and the text was from someone, some guy. And it said, I'm going to need my jacket back. And she burst further into tears. And in my adult brain, I'm like, ooh, this sounds like a breakup. breakup. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he's asking for his like letterman jacket back. And, <laughs> and she's devastated. And I had my students read it and they were like, um, why is she upset? Did she really like that jacket? Did she buy it and he thinks he owns it? <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, you know what? In fourth grade, it should that was on me as the teacher of like, well, y'all aren't dating. So that makes a ton of sense that you wouldn't have picked up on that background knowledge of, you know, in some shows, people give their letterman jackets, or that was like a a, a social thing back in the day. I don't even know if that happens anymore. <laughs> right. No, but I love that you that you mentioned that because there are things that, you know, that 
I really feel like students miss out on because we've gotten so far into the day of where we are, we're living now in 2021. Um, and so it's like, oh, you really don't know like what that is, or you might not have even seen it because that, you know, we're so far removed from that. But it's really awesome whenever you can pick up on those moments of, wow, you don't have knowledge about this, but I can be the one that can give you the background knowledge that you're going to get today because I'm going to teach you um, what this is and you can store that in your mind and hold it there and use this for future. So that's awesome. Exactly. And then for me, it was a really good wake up call of make sure that I am like thinking really mindfully of the pieces that I am putting in front of my students and understanding like if I'm, I am going to have to front load that background knowledge for them of, Hey, just so you know, like this is a, was a a dating practice, quote unquote, back in the day. And people were going steady. Sometimes, you know, the girl would wear the jacket of the person that she was seeing and like that was their status. So yeah, it was just a really good remembrance to me of being mindful of the, like the text that I'm using and then thinking through, okay, what background knowledge might they be lacking so that I can help front load that. Uh, You just dropped another golden nugget and that's the whole front loading piece. Taking the time to say, you know what, even though my students don't have any understanding of this or background knowledge of this, I can still use this text. I just need to do my part to provide this information up front before we start reading it so that they have a little bit of context to what's going on. So if you're not doing that, that is an amazing practice to do, which is being more mindful of what your students need and front loading. That is a really great skill for so many students um, struggling or not is giving them a little bit of information ahead of time. Awesome. Okay. So now before we start, you know, wrapping up, I just wanted to ask you the question because we were chatting and I was like, whoo, this is really, really good. How can we tie inferring into writing? Oh my gosh. This is one of my favorite lessons to do (laughs) throughout the year. And it's our show don't tell lesson when we get into fictional writing and tying it to their work with inferring and making inferences in the text. Now they get to do it as writers. They get to create a story where they are building text clues and clues from the text where the reader is going to have to use their background knowledge to understand how their character is feeling, where their character is, maybe in a setting. So it was, it's really cool to be able to tie back. Like we've learned how to make an inference using a text. And now as writers, we are going to be the ones creating the text clue And so I do that through show, don't tell. Love that strategy. And that is something that literally takes no, no, it's not no cost. It's just a really fun activity. And I could see students wanting to do that over and over again. And they're probably not even really truly grasping the fact of how much that is helping them with this whole tricky concept of inferring. Definitely. And you, you kind of start it with the inference. So you give them the inference, like Shane feels angry. And I write it on the board, like Shane feels angry. Mm, this is really boring. Is this, does this excite you? They're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> this is as a writer, when you tell your reader what your character is feeling, but how often in a text do you really read like this character was sad and then they were happy and then they were 
it just is repetitive and it's boring. So what I do instead is I put the inference on the board and I say, okay, so I'm going to act this out. And so I'll leave the classroom and I'll come back in acting whichever way I've put on the board. And the angry one's the most fun because I come in huffing and puffing and stomping and clench, you know, fist oh, clench. I bet they love it. <laughs> they, they're paying attention, but they're also laughing really hard because they never get to see their teacher acting like a fool. Which yeah. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I act like a fool all the time. It's more fun that way. <laughs> but I, you know, after I make this huge dramatic entry, I say, okay, what did you see? And from there, we create a list on the board of things that they visually saw me doing. Your fists were clenched. Your, you know, mouth was turned down in a frown. Your eyebrows were like, you're, you're, you had all these wrinkles on your forehead, Miss Saeed, because <laughs> your eyebrows were so like furrowed or you stomped in, you huffed, you screamed, you yelled, you like shook your fists in the air. And I said, okay, so we have this long list of things that someone might do when they are feeling angry. How can we use this list to create a new sentence that is a clue in the text that leads to our inference of Shane was angry? And so then they create wonderful sentences of, you know, Shane entered the classroom, fists clenched tightly, stomping as loudly as an elephant. Her eyebrows were furrowed and her mouth was turned down in a frown. And I'm like, that is a clue from the text that is showing and not telling because as a reader, I can look, read that and go, Ooh, that person sounds angry. That's <laughs> when yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And just even hearing that, like that just made my writing heart, the half of my heart that just loves writing because the other half loves reading, just so happy. Students can do this. Teachers can do this. And everyone has a part and can be able to engage in what they're seeing. And it transfers to, to this whole idea of, of inferencing. And I love that it can go from a really intense reading skill and transfer over into writing skills, which we want those to do like so seamlessly, but a lot of the time it's just so separated. So I love that with this method and this process that you're doing, you are allowing them to draw from what they're learning and reading and transfer it over into writing, which is just going to help them all around. Which is essentially what we try to do with mentor texts all the time with our writing. And so, I mean, all we're really doing is taking the same skills and instead of just isolating them, showing how they're all connected. I love it. Love it. You have dropped so many great, great just ideas that honestly, teachers, you can take away right now and go and try these things tomorrow, next week, get it into your plans. And definitely if you do try any of these in a couple of moments, um, I'm going to let Shane share where you can find her. But I know that just like I tell you all, like if you try something, tag me. Like if you try one of these things, I want you to tag her on Instagram so she can be able to see what your students are doing. But before we wrap up, Shane, this has been so incredible. This has just been so insightful and refreshing, especially at this time in the year where we are just kind of fizzling out and, you know, everyone's getting really tired, testing's coming up. And what I really love about what you're doing and what I see is that it's so engaging and exciting for kids that they are learning and they're able to make these things so concrete 
And they're able to remember and draw from all of these experiences. And it's not the, what we would consider kind of typical be at your seat and do the seat work and get it done and learn it. And so I'm just so grateful that you were able to share these incredible and exciting, engaging practices you're doing in your classroom and all of these things, teachers, you can literally get up and running as quickly as tomorrow because everything you need is already found in your classrooms. Oh my gosh. That is, I I'm sorry. I was in awe right there for a second. I was like, Oh my gosh, it is like everything is, <laughs> in their classrooms. And that's what I love most about great teaching practices is you don't need a specific resource in order to implement it. Best practices are best practices and they can be utilized with a variety of resources. I love it. Okay. Well, I have had a joy chatting with you and I hope that this is not the last time that you will come on this podcast. And so are there any last minute things that you just want to share, whether it's related to um, inferencing or whether it's just something that you want to share with teachers right now that are, that are listening to this podcast, whatever you want to say, is there any last minute words that you want to say um, about inferring or just to teachers in general? Oh man, I think, you know, I think it would just be to teachers in general. I know that Megan and I briefly before recording talked about it and it's April, we're tired. It's it's a, it's been a really long year and, you know, just know that you're seen and you're doing amazing things in your classroom. And even if you're not doing the same things as the teacher next to you or that teacher on Instagram or that teacher on Twitter, like you are doing fantastic, wonderful things with your students and making an impact every single day. And just remember that you are the positive influence on their lives and what you're doing is fantastic. That is so good. So good. Okay. So I know that the listeners everywhere have been waiting for this one moment of what I'm about to say, and that is where can our listeners find you if they want to follow along with all the incredible things that you're doing? All right. I'm on a few different platforms. So I'm on mostly on Instagram. Run through it all because I know they're wondering, (laughs) let's just share it all. And also all of this will be in the show notes. And so you can go to the show notes and you can be able to click on all of these different places where you can be able to find Shane. Perfect. So main platform is Instagram. Um, You can find me at fantastically fourth, all two words together. And then I'm on TikTok as well as the fantastically fourth, evidently fantastically fourth was already taken. So (laughs) it is the fantastically fourth there. And then I'm on Twitter at Saeed, that's S-A-E-E-D underscore Shane. And you'll know it's me because it'll tell you that my main platform is Instagram there too. (laughs) But I share a lot of teaching strategies via Twitter and then small tiny nuggets on TikTok. But like I said, the majority of everything that you're going to want is on Instagram. Okay. And you do have a Teachers by Teachers store, correct? Oh, I do. It's called share that as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastically forth. And uh, yeah, tons of stuff that I use throughout the year. And again, on my Instagram, I really try to show how I use those resources in my own classroom, build resources specifically that I use with my students every single year. So everything that's in that store, I use with kids. Awesome. Okay. So listeners, I will have all of her, the places you can find her in the show notes. And Shane, thank you so much. It has been awesome having you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Megan. It was amazing. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Literacy Dive. If you would like to connect with Megan, you can find her on Instagram at Miss Peace Style. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes of The Literacy Dive. Until next time.